So hello and welcome back to another episode of the, the Turn 5 podcast. Uh, we're a couple of members light this week as uh, Chris is MIA and Nia is scrubbing a patio. <laughs> uh, this week we'll be covering, well, the, the action of last week we didn't cover. Uh, so the Formula 2 and the W Series races, as well as looking ahead to this weekend's Hungarian Grand Prix. But before we get into any of that, uh, we are going to have a talk about the stewards. And by talk, I mean roast. So, Alex, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, well, I mean, very on topic, of course. I think we've all just about calmed down from uh, the events of Silverstone. Probably a good thing that we've got this um, this gap to uh, digest what happened, because... Uh, Otherwise, I think if we had back-to-back races, I think some people would be a little bit hot-headed going into Hungary and um, it may not end too well. But um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a timely uh, topic, isn't it? The stewarding after the... Well, we had two... We had two. Obviously, we had the big one. We had the Hamilton Verstappen collision at Silverstone, didn't we? But then we also had George Russell in the sprint race, got a penalty, didn't he, for the collision with Carlos Sainz, which... I mean, we've covered Hamilton and Verstappen so many times. Everyone has. Yeah. But I think one of the... I think, well, we mainly want to talk about the inconsistency, don't we, of the shielding. And also, one thing I feel like what they do is base penalties off outcome. I think we touched on this last week, didn't we? Yeah. With, um, with obviously, the big, the big collision, which we've exhausted. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I mean, obviously, if we start with the Silverstone example, the uh, uh, the Russell and Science collision. I mean, how many times have we heard our oh, stewards don't give penalties on lap one, and well, they finally changed it, didn't they, at the British Grand Prix? But yeah, for two incidents that, in my opinion, were very harsh penalties. I think how many times have we seen, you know, the Russell Science one? It was how many times have we seen the you know, drivers bang wheels on the first lap or something? And I think Science was given a five second penalty. because because you know it just happened to push him across the grass down to the back of the grid and then obviously we've mentioned the 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 classic example of austria where leclerc effectively swiped gasly's well gave him a puncture didn't he and Mm. then that led to him spinning into was it the tifi and he he basically hit about the back half of the grid yeah pretty much So, yeah, I mean, it's inconsistency, isn't it? This is where, I mean, it's important to, I think it's important to point out that no two incidents are ever the same. Like, you no, know, we compare, we compare like all these different incidents, don't we, from different races. But even when, even when people try and compare Hamilton Verstappen to other, other like overtakes at Cops to say, oh, it can be done. It's important to like, like the angle of the cars coming to the corner, obviously the speed they're taking, it's the fuel load, everything like that. But yeah, that's that's what we're going to be talking about, I guess. <laughs> a yeah, at a, a, a base value, what we what we do is compare uh, what the stewards deem as uh, like for like offences because they're they're worded the same in the official documents. So it'll be car sixty three caused a collision with car fifty five. That document, so it's that rule set, and car forty four caused a collision with car thirty three. Same rule set, different document sort of thing. But yeah, no, no two crashes will ever be identical. Yes, there can be similar circumstances, but it will never be 
a carbon copy. Um, but even even with Michael Massey going, oh yeah, well, no, we definitely don't base anything on the outcome. Recent penalties have made that somewhat hard to believe. Um, I mean, we can even just in the last sort of three, four races, you can see it. Um, the um, my, the biggest one for me is the the difference between France and Austria, where Gasly's cut right across Norris, forced Norris wide. Gasly's gone wide himself, but because Norris got passed anyway, and it was all tarmac and anything, Gasly didn't get a penalty. But the same style of incident happens in Austria, where. Norris defends, Perez has to go out wide, but Perez ends in a gravel trap and loses five or six places. Suddenly we're dishing out five second penalties. So I don't think there's a whole lot of uh, backbone to what Massey is saying where it's not dealt with by the outcome. I feel like that is considered and... I don't think I like it. Yeah, I mean, you, you could argue that obviously this whole thing about the outcome, you know, the, the Austria ones, I mean, at least they were consistent there, as, as in the Norris one on Paris set a precedent, didn't it? And yeah, Paris ended up they, getting the two. Yeah, they backed themselves into yeah, a corner. That's yeah. the problem. I mean, they're, they're generally, they're consistent in like specific races, but not from Across race to race, season. that makes sense. Yeah. But, I mean, you could argue, for example, the Imola start, Verstappen technically forced Hamilton off the track when he was alongside, didn't he? In theory. I'm not saying it should be a penalty. I feel like they've probably taken the conditions into yeah. account there as well. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, yeah I think saying. Spain's yeah. worse when Verstappen just storms through the inside mm. for the first turn. With Lewis having to go wide. I mean, that could have been... A, I mean, in theory, Verstappen technically there has escaped a penalty because Hamilton jumped out of the way. So... Yeah. Is that where you start thinking about, well, maybe, maybe at Silverstone, for example, if if Verstappen had had run wide like Leclerc did for the overtake, then Hamilton wouldn't go up a penalty. So what I'm the, the the part of my brain is like, what if Verstappen had just taken a really wide line round cops, and Hamilton then hadn't made the corner anyway, because it didn't look like he was going to make that corner. Mm. What would the stewards have done then? Because they both run wide. So are they just going to get a track limits warning? Like, it's just, it's a weird one, isn't it? So, well, the, the Gasly Norris one, they both went wide, didn't they? In the yeah. end. Because, so, in theory, I mean, say Verstappen played it, we spoke about the championship mindset. If he'd been ultra cautious just to not get damage. Maybe I mean Hamilton. Hamilton, if he if he hadn't made the corner, would have had to give the place back, wouldn't he? In theory. Yes. So. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's good. You're, you're going back to sort of like Bahrain incidents there now. Yeah, that's a good point actually. So <laughs> that's that's another one where I mean, technically, technically Bahrain could have ended in a crash if Verstappen didn't run off the track. In theory, couldn't it? I mean, he had that. It was a it was a snap of oversteer mid corner. And he literally just did it. The only reason he ran wide was to stop himself from going round. Yeah. And they were just like, yeah, now give give the place back. 
yeah so it goes back to the whole point about the outcome yeah I, in theory like maybe actually Hamilton it were if Verstappen had tried to make the corner they'd have collided and Hamilton would have got the blame for squeezing him off track wouldn't he so, so it's, yeah. I mean it's all so it is complex I'll give them that it's very yeah you're always going to find two decisions that contradict each other across however many years of F1 aren't you I mean but... you see it in all, all sports really even with the introduction of VAR and football, we're still getting dodgy decisions. Mm. Um, I think the most, I guess the most clean cut things would be tennis and cricket. Tennis, you've got Hawkeye. Is it in or out? It was in. Done. Easy peasy. Cricket, they've got, what's it called? Like Ultra Edge or something? Yeah, they've got, a, they've got a DRS, but it's obviously, I can't remember what it stands for, but yeah, it's, Decision review system. system. Yeah, that's yeah, it. that's the one. Yeah, um, but obviously with those, you only have a certain amount of appeals in a game or whatever. Mm. Um, I guess it's because F one's based on opinion, isn't it? That's the problem. Yes, like, like so. But, but yeah, that it's. I feel like it's one of those things that the you hear it said in other sports a lot. The the, the rules require clarification. I think it was the last couple of years. Um, the handball rule in change has changed a bit in football because we were seeing a lot of like point blank range. It's hit their arm, penalty was given, sort of thing. Mm. Um, and then there was a clarification, and you're seeing it less often. But I feel like with that's slightly more tricky with Formula One, given the amount of parameters you're having to deal with. But the stewards don't help themselves by the fact that at the end of every single section of um, offences and uh, incidents and everything, it always says the stewards reserve the right to do whatever, basically. And it's like, you, just, you need to set a, a set series of things, not just have, oh, well, it was kind of like this. So we're going to kind of give you a penalty. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, yeah, like you said, there's like an unlimited amount of things that can happen in F1, isn't there? Yeah. Technically speaking, in terms of stewarding. But how many times do we see it where an incident happens and we don't know what the rule is, if that makes sense? Like, I mean, yeah, that's the we, thing. We had the whole track limits debate, didn't we? No one knew what was allowed. Yeah. And, and, then, then, they there was... and then they changed it, didn't they? Well, midway through the race, actually, in Bahrain. <laughs> Officially, they, they didn't. They just uh, got on the radio and said, yeah, stop doing that. <laughs> um, it was never actually policed. Um, but yeah, that's the thing. It's the, the sporting and the technical regulations are all so complex that average Joes don't stand a chance. Like uh, other sports, it's pretty clear cut you know there's this rule and that's it but in formula one it's like oh yeah we've got track limits but in some cases it's the white line in some cases it's the other side of the curb and in some cases we just don't even bother with it like <laughs> it's not helpful like f1 have really been striving to bring new fans to the sport with stuff like drive to survive and the uh, the really sort of going at it sort of uh, social media approach that they've taken. But I feel like they need to 
sort out the rule set so that people can understand it from at home. Mm. Uh, it's, it takes, that's the thing, like, it's great that we have the pundits and ex races and everything that they can sort of break it down for us and, and do that. But like, that should only be fringe cases. We shouldn't be having, we shouldn't be requiring those conversations every weekend of what actually does this rule mean? And why has he broken this rule? That sort of thing. So I think one thing you mentioned, you know, X-Drives and Pundits, one thing that stood out for me from the Silverstone incident is amongst all the hysteria, pretty much every, you know, X-Driver, even current driver, Pundit said, racing you know what, incident. it's probably a racing yeah. incident, isn't it? Which is easy to say. I mean, it's, it's the... It's, it's, it's very much the, I'm not taking a side and yeah, nobody yeah. can hate me for it. Yeah. But at I've the got... same time, it is the sensible <laughs> route. Because yeah, we want hard racing, but we want, yeah. there's a difference between hard and clean. Well, no, there's hard <laughs> racing and then there's dangerous racing. Mm. We want hard racing. We don't want Pastor Maldonado racing. <laughs> I mean, one thing I will say is the stewards, and it's more sensible nowadays than you get some of the ridiculous penalties we saw like back in the day. You know, do you remember like the Hamilton one at Spa where he lost the win? Oh, yeah. Uh, for the it was, it, it was the yeah, because he ceded the position, but he didn't cede it well enough. Yeah, and he got like a thirty-second penalty for that. Where yeah, even if even if that happened today and they deemed it an offence, it'd be like five seconds, wouldn't it? Or Tomorrow. just give the place back or something yeah. like that. But but one thing I will say is the point about everyone saying it's a racing incident. It, I think the stewards feel the pressure a lot, and this I always go back to the Canada twenty nineteen incident where, in my opinion, they made the right decision because Vettel yes. did rejoin dangerously, but there was so much hysteria that I think we came to Monza in the next, for example. Uh, can, I mean, can you imagine Leclerc? Yeah. I, I think, personally, Leclerc, you know, he's forced Hamilton off the track, technically, hasn't he? I mean, yeah, by the letter of the law, yeah, he yeah. has. He has not left a car's width. But then again, are we being hypocritical? Because I said, you know, the Norris-Perez one isn't a penalty, for example. But the, that's... I feel like they're different because that's mid corner. Yeah. Whereas you're you're talking about an incident at the end of a very high speed section of track and a very that like once you hit the brakes, that's it. You've committed to your line at that point. Whereas the point where Perez went wide in turn four, you're very much on throttle trying to put the power down and get out of it. Mm. So I mean, this goes back to the point. If Hamilton breaks his front wing there, the clerk probably gets a penalty, doesn't he? Yes. Oh, yeah, he probably will. But again, I still, I still feel like instances like that. It's a Ferrari. Can you imagine the outcry? If, God, that would have that they would have been, you know, brutally murdered. I mean, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> that's where they need to have the backbone exactly. and put their foot down. If it takes, no, I don't think they do. Yeah. <laughs> You see it with like I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to football again. Sod it. You, you see it with VAR. They're at a different place. They're not at the stadium. There's no risk to them whatsoever. If that's what we need to get the stewards to have a backbone and make stern decisions, then move them off site. Put them in a separate room. Mm. I, I don't care. I don't care where the stewards are, as long as they've got all of the same information they have. Like the only difference would be that the drivers wouldn't go to the steward's office. They'd go to a room set up for Zoom with the stewards. 
and that'd be it. I don't get why we're so hellbent on having the stewards be at the race and then not making the right decisions potentially due to external factors. Mm. I mean, that is, yeah, it's a good point. But, and, and also, yeah, going back to the thing about, you know, Ferrari, I mean, I think gone are the days of, you know, Ferrari international assistance, whatever, but. Yeah, we're in Mercedes. Think, we're, in, we're in the mafia yeah, region the mafia now. Area now aren't we? Yeah. But um, I think Ferrari have had, since that incident in Canada, I think they've had one, I, I mean, I'm probably forgetting like, you know, some blocking incident or something, but from what I can remember, they've had one penalty and that was when the clerk took out Verstappen at the start of that Japan race. And even then they said, didn't they? They they didn't investigate it to start with, even though it was so clear cut. And yeah, that was a this farce. is where I feel like they're player they're a little bit they don't have the backbone, like you said, Ben. I, I don't think they do, personally. Yeah. And they play up to, you know, evening things up, like with the penalty silver thing. Well, I mean, evening things up would have been retire the car, Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as in trying to keep as many people happy as possible. I mean even if I feel yeah. like in the long run, maybe they have, because Lewis still won anyway. The championship fight is now very close. But yeah. they shouldn't be looking at things as a what's going to make things more interesting. It should be... Mm. what it's, It doesn't even matter as, like, what do they deem as fair? It's what is in the rules. What is the appropriate punishment for said offence? Distribute mm. it. Done. It's like when... It was when the teams were McLaren radioed the FIA in Baku saying that I think it was Yuki hadn't slowed down enough under double yellows. And Michael was saying, nobody has. I mean, just dish out the five second penalties, give everyone the penalty points. It's not hard. It's literally just like a couple of buttons done and it appears on a TV graphic. And then everyone else suddenly has an extra two points on their. Uh, super license and Lando Norris would have had a race ban. Yeah. So and then we're talking about which would have been how I mean, Lando yeah, got, got and then, banned. Yeah. And then we'd be talking about how the fact that he pushed Sergio Perez wide in Austria is a joke and he should never have been banned. Uh, <laughs> but, I still don't understand like that well, I mean we've just we've talked about the penalty points before, haven't we? But that for me is it just doesn't make sense. How I mean for a, you can look at it, a number of ways, but how can Lando Norris have? Oh, and does he still have the most? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It doesn't make sense. Well, I, I think he's had what two. I mean, he's had the incident with Stroll in Canada, and also the one in Portugal, which, by the way, Stroll got a penalty for effectively pinching Norris on the apex, and yet Verstappen technically did that at Silverstone, maybe. And yeah, it's a different story, but yeah, oh, this is where. I said off. I said off air. I called Christian Horner a hypocrite, didn't I? For, I mean, I think everyone in Formula one. one, yeah, has a tendency to be a bit, yeah, yeah. But um, which is no excuse to like not distribute penalties. It's more of a reason to distribute them more evenly because then you don't give anyone the room to be a hypocrite. Yeah, that's true. If they distributed the penalties the same way across all the events that we've talked about we wouldn't even be talking about them. Mm. It, would, it would be a non-plus thing. We'd, we'd have mentioned it last week as like a 30-second 30, 30 segment of, oh yeah, uh, so-and-so got two penalty points because they did the exact same thing that 
the other driver did three weeks prior. So there it was. Like, but now we're talking about people running people wide and getting penalty uh, two penalty points. Um, Kimmy causing a collision and getting three penalty points, but Lewis causing a collision only getting two penalty points. Mm. There's levels of inconsistency that don't really make sense or add up in some ways. So it's just it's just common sense. Like yeah. they try and play they try and play by the rule book too much, but the rule book changes race after race, doesn't it? That's the problem. It's... And it's like when you look at the the Russia example, I mean, punish teams for mistakes that teams make yeah. and punish drivers for mistakes that drivers make. And if it's clearly, you know, a race incident, okay, if the outcome is harsh on one driver, so be it. But it's like, I mean, to be fair, the point I would make is, I think someone said it after the Norris Perez one, if we don't punish Norris for that, drivers will start doing the equivalent of like a professional foul in football, won't they? Mm. Where they'll run someone off the track knowing that the consequences will be bad like much worse for if there's a gravel trap for example but if they won't get penalties for it but then yeah it's, it's a tough one isn't it to be fair to them <laughs> yeah but at the same time charles pushed lewis off lewis had to go through the runoff and lost all that time because he was right behind him and when he comes out from the the, the escape road runoff he's lost a lot of time Charles just got a black and white flag. Mm. We haven't really seen the black and white flag since. Where's it gone? Why aren't we bringing it out? Because well, it, it is essentially, especially, yeah, especially Ferrari at Monza, didn't it? Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's essentially a yellow card. So why aren't we using it? Well, actually, no, it's not a yellow card because a yellow card is actually like a, a proper warning. I guess it's like the referee's final warning of you do that again, you are going in the book. So I don't know. I feel like yeah. I, I want to see more black and white flags because then it gives us an indication that uh, hey, the stewards are taking notice, and they are they they do want to see hard racing, but that was marginally over the line because right. that gives them a bit more room. Because if you that takes out the the professional foul sort of situation, because if they do it and it's uh, obvious then they can just distribute the penalty straight away. But if it's like marginal, like say Perez only dipped two wheels in the gravel instead, lost three places, not five, black and white flag, fine. You know, that was marginal, but it's not career ending. So, yeah. Also, you can maybe track limits as well, though, don't they? Yeah, exactly. Cause... Yeah, that's, that's good. I like that. You've seen it you at can... Monaco, Orlando. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you could maybe get a penalty point for an incident that is a black and white flag, couldn't you? You just, a bit yeah. of common sense, you know, one penalty point. So you can't keep just doing it in the knowledge that you're not going to get a penalty. You're just going to get warnings in theory. But I mean, the penalty point system just doesn't make sense to me. You know, Hamilton almost getting four until they changed it, didn't they, back to two for the rush of practice starts, for example. Mm. And he got, and also the Monza pit lane one as well, which was. I mean, it's really down to the team, isn't it, to do that sort of thing? Yeah. Um, but at the same point, it's that's a safety side of things. Mm. So I can kind You'll of see it. I mean... Yeah, but at the same time, Lewis has the, the flashing light. and I, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a whole lot. Yeah, of... It was a weird one, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm more thinking of the fact that Lewis and Silverstone incident 
has resulted in the same number of penalty points as Yuki crossing a white line twice in Austria. Yeah. I mean, technically it is. <laughs> like, technically it's the driver's fault, but yeah, it's, that's, that's one where it's more appropriate for a warning or maybe a time penalty. Like say, what if someone crossed, crossed the white line 12 times over the course of a season and got mm. a race ban, did nothing else wrong? I'd just be yeah, that's, what, that's what I said last week because Gasly got a penalty point for starting out the position in Spain because mm. he was like that far outside of his box. You do that 12 times in a season and you're banned. Yeah, I mean, that would be a bit... I mean, yeah. Like, actually happened, but... Yeah. It's, the point stands. You can be less than a metre outside of your start box like uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Accumulatively, mm. cumulatively over the course of the season, and you end up with a race ban when yeah. you haven't really gained anything. Um, I'd, I'd yeah. argue penalty points should be for actual things that the driver is at fault for that are actually dangerous. Not like not even necessarily a race, not even necessarily an incident. Like so, okay, give Norris a five second penalty for forcing Perez off a track. It's not dangerous. No. Like, maybe, okay, you could argue Sonoda crossing the white line technically is, but I, I'd argue something like maybe when Perez came back on the track after a spin in the sprint race, that was quite dangerous. Give him a penalty point for that. But yeah, not because he, a time he almost got absolutely clouted. Yeah. Um, yeah, I want to see it for, for dangerous things. I don't want to see it for marginal infringements. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of, I mean, okay, Bottas spinning in a pit lane. Yes, dangerous. There are people around. Penalty points, understandable. But then, no, unsafe release. Blocking, releases, and, qualifying. blocking and qualifying, yeah. Mm. It's not, okay, it is slightly dangerous because someone's coming up you at a rate of knots. But at the same time, all it's done is ruin a lap. So, give them a grid drop they don't need to you don't always need a punishment and penalty points to go together why do they have to exist as as a single entity why can't we have you have a grid drop but it was just like we we have grid drops for gearbox changes they don't get a penalty point for that (laughs) like come on (laughs) it's just it's yeah, I don't know. I feel like F1 has a big opportunity next year to really nail this because they've changed the sporting regulations, the technical regulations. They've changed the, the cars completely. They've added in a budget cap. Now, if they can just get the rules right and the, the officiating of said rules right, the whole sport will be so much better off. It's just common sense. That's what they need. And as long as that brings consi- well, technically, if you apply common sense to every incident, consistency should come, shouldn't it? Yes. So, as long as that, yeah, I, I, a bit of a complex idea, but <laughs> <laughs> should do. I think. I mean, the only the only other point about the stewards for me is sometimes they take so long to make a decision, don't they? I mean. Silverstone was kind of understandable because you had Toto Wolf emailing, you had Christian Horner. Yes, that is something I want to touch on. Um, George Russell, didn't he? Got the penalty about 
well i remember i was having like dinner at the campsite and i found out about it it was, it was ridiculous yeah um that that document got released at 26 minutes past eight in the evening because i'm looking at that another minute um he got a grid drop of three places and one penalty point so he's on seven points in a 12-month period um but what i wanted to say was um other sports you you do not talk to the referee you don't talk your opinion you just the referee's word is final done deal with it rugby if you talk to the referee the referee will tell you to go away because he will not hear it i think is it i want to say his name's nigel owens he's a welsh referee he's hilarious and he just doesn't take anything from anyone and he's like look i'll do my job you do yours um in hockey if you talk to the umpire you'll get a card it doesn't even have to be directly at the umpire you can voice your opinion on anything that happened and if the ref hears it they can give you a card so why are we allowing i mean they've They've changed the rules, apparently, so you're not allowed to go up to the steward's office or something. Um, there's been a, like, an introduction of a new directive or something. But why was, why was that even a thing? I like, just don't... It's the same as like trying to um, influence a jury, isn't it? Mm. You, you can't get away with that in, in, in court. Why are we allowing it in sport? Um, I'm, it's just... The stewards should be the stewards, not like the only time you should go to the stewards is when they have asked you to come and see them. Other than that, it should just be they deal with it. I mean, yeah. And obviously, if it's like a safety concern, you should still be able to speak to them. Yes. If there's a, but yeah, that's you know, what, like, if it's a safety concern, you deal with the race director. You go yeah, to Michael. But, I mean, yeah. The, the lobby, the lobbying, essentially, isn't it? Yeah, the it's, it's not on. That's. I mean, I, I guess the the issue is that they might have some data or something that clearly proves. But Just let's be honest, like Ferrari appealed Canada twenty nineteen, didn't they? And tried to use Karun Chandok's like analysis <laughs> on Sky. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. It. I think. Yeah, talk to them during the race is not on. No. Maybe after, if they have something clear cut, but usually the stewards have so much data. I mean, there was the there was the one case, wasn't there? Austria last year, Hamilton got the grid penalty because Red Bull basically showed new evidence, which I guess. I mean, that was that was yeah, that was more. It was it was F one's own information basically. They just haven't had it because the three sixty camera car cameras on the cars don't aren't synced to the the global network, the live feed. Um, they had to be. They have to be downloaded and then uploaded before you can actually like see it. Um, yeah. So that was that was a case of just new information had been brought to light, and Red Bull was like, "Hey, have you actually seen this?" But that shouldn't be happening anyway. That when new information becomes available, it should be looked at. Yeah. Um, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, well, I mean that was just Rebel. As much as that was Rebel being Rebel, that well, was yeah. fair enough. Yeah. But I mean. Yeah, you look at some of the incidents that take hours after, like, 
Well, every time you say, every time they say, oh, this will be investigated after the race, you know you're waiting hours yeah. for an outcome. And in some cases, you know, do you remember when science had to wait for yes, in Brazil, Brazil 2019 for oh podium for so long because they couldn't decide? I mean, it's Hamilton, it was Hamilton Albon, wasn't it? That was the main one. And, and there was the DRS, was it DRS infringement or something that half the grid might have had? Not, I can't but remember that bit to be honest. It's it's black and white, isn't it? You know, okay, I get they need to look at some more data, but for the sake of the sport, you know, use what make you've a got, decision. make the decision during the race. I think even even for Stafford Hamilton, the fact we had to wait until the restart, until after the restart, was a bit silly. When they, had, yeah, I I I don't mind if say like in Silverstone there was a red flag, and at that point the stewards say, okay, come in, show us what you got give us all of your information so that we can look at everything what i don't want is like the middle of a race the race is still going on and they're going look at this off and whaps like an entire folder of data down on them um like and stuff that's like in the last five laps don't just go oh yeah yeah we'll look at that in a minute like just deal with it get on with it like i mean okay fair enough the Seb Kimi incident at Austria, which was literally on the last lap. Okay, I can understand you looking at that after the race because there's like no time between now and the end of the race to actually deal with it. But other things, it's like we see incidents happen. We see the under investigation graphic come up and then 10, 15 laps go by, no update. And then it will just come up no further investigation necessary yeah. if it was that if there's no further investigation why did it take that long to reach that decision yes. and even even the football comparison again even with var they only have a certain amount of angles don't they and you yeah. can't be influenced by anyone coming over i mean imagine how ridiculous it would be if like managers could come over the mic that's effectively what happens in f1 yeah I mean, they, they, yeah. they, the equivalent is the fourth official. But the managers yeah. deal with the fourth official. And if the fourth official deems it enough, then he'll bring the ref over. Mm. Um, I think we've, we've only seen it a, a couple of times, and that's generally been down to crowd chance. Yeah. Um, but... Mm. Yeah, no, you don't deal with the ref. You don't influence the ref. You talk to an intermediary, which in this case is Michael Massey. And Michael went, look, I'm not interested. So at that point, you should just go, right, well, that's it. Game over then. Mm. Not I mean, yeah. storming up to the steward's office. Just use what you've got to make a quick decision that isn't going to you know, be too late to have an impact on the race. So in essence, it happens quickly. So the race... The, the pun any punishment can be served in a timely yeah. manner and not they still have a chance yeah a car's driven 30 seconds up the road and they get a five second penalty yeah or four hours after the race for example as it often is like the yeah. Vettel, even the Reichman Vettel one that was a long time after the race why did it need to be it was pretty obvious and it didn't affect the results anyway you know just slap Reichman with penalty and it was pretty dangerous so maybe a penalty point or two or three yeah, <laughs> uh, it's just as long as you've got students that are competent enough to make that sort of snap decision mm. with the data that they've got, then why not? But do we have students competent enough to do that? I don't know. 
I think they also struggle with the fact that um, it's not the same folks week in, week out. Mm. So it was other sports you have a pool of referees because obviously you can't have one referee at 12 games that are happening at the same time um but you have a set of qualified people and they all follow the same rule book now we might have a set of qualified fia officials who knows where that list is i sure as hell can't find it on the website and the driver stewards what's the criteria there we've got people driving from like the 80s making decisions on nowadays cars they're very different cars and that means the driving is going to be very different so why are we why are they getting such a like yes i get that they've got experience of driving at high speed close to other cars and all that but we've got much more recent people that are probably better suited to sit in that seat and make the decisions. Mm. Like you've got Nico Hulkenberg, you've got Paul DeResta, yeah. you've got well, Anthony I... Davidson, like yeah. just Paul people DeResta. that aren't in a seat, you know, they've driven cars that are like in the last decade sort of thing. Hell, even Alex Albon to an extent you could put in there, Brendan Hartley, like, come on, someone who's driven this sort of generation of car, and has an idea of the speed at which these are going because these are the fastest cars in Formula One. Like last year, I know that we are going faster than last year's, aren't we? So I'm not sure. I don't know. I think it's like dependent on tracks, but but at the same like this this iteration of car is probably the fastest we'll see for a long time. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. Can you imagine we just stuck Jensen Button in the stewards for a race? It'd be like Silverstone, you know, racing incident, get on with it. Yeah, it would be so much better. Uh, but just, if you stuck Nico Rosberg know, in they? there, if you stuck Nico yeah. Rosberg in there, that would be the ultimate pot stirring. <laughs> you know what? Put Jolian Palmer in there. He's the best one, isn't he? His yeah, analysis yeah. is always spot on, isn't it? Every single race. Put him in. And even if necessary, he can do his 17-minute analysis straight to Michael Massey. <laughs> Tell him why it's a racing incident and we get on with it. Yep. Could have done that in the red flag. <laughs> and and we'd have been happy as Larry because we'd have had a 17-minute breakdown on why it was a racing incident and no one would complain. <laughs> exactly. No one argues with Julian Palmer's analysis because it's always right every single time. Because he, he just knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, here's, here's our Turn 5 podcast lobbying of the stewards. And that is to replace all of your driver stewards with just Julian Palmer. Yeah, just Julian <laughs> Palmer in there. All will be well and sorted. So, I think I think that would be like the dream board, wouldn't it? You'd have Nico playing devil's advocate. You'd have Julian Palmer being the voice of reason, and you'd have Jensen just being like, "Can we just get on with this?" <laughs> <laughs> There, there is your your high court of uh, of F one judges. I think that needs to be a thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Same. Definitely not biased either. Well, no, because Jensen yeah. raced with Williams, BAR, Honda, <laughs> Braun, McLaren. So Jensen's raced with half the grid. Nico raced with Mercedes. But Did Nico raced with half of the grid. Yeah, yeah exactly. So. And then Jalen Palmer raced with Renault. 
Renault. <laughs> that, that covers Renault off. <laughs> so I suppose we could we, we kind there. of need for, for the sake of parity, you'd need a Ferrari person in there as well, wouldn't you? Yeah, um, I think they're always fair though. Yeah, Felipe no. Massa, get him in there. No, just not, just not Paul Resta because you just get Hamilton getting five second penalties every single race. <laughs> I mean, that would be fine by me if that meant that he was just like in the middle of the pack every time. Bring <laughs> it, it. let's see him race. Yeah. I could see Rosberg just stirring it up just to see what would make it. That <laughs> Might spicy. be his ex teammate, but like, uh-huh, thirty second penalty. Yeah, see how you cope with this. <laughs> It'd just be halfway through all oh, this race. Oh, there you go, Lewis. 30 second penalty. What for? <laughs> Your wheel's on the wrong side. <laughs> just just because. <laughs> uh, right. I think we've roasted the stewards to a sufficient degree. I believe they are now well done. Um, <laughs> shall we move on to the support races at Silverstone? Yeah. Last, last weekend, <laughs> uh, we had... Uh, Formula 2 and W Series join us. So obviously Formula 2 has the two sprint races and the feature race, uh, whereas W Series just has its timed race. Um, should we start with Formula 2? Safety cars. <laughs> yeah. Five of them in the first two races. Pretty sure. It was a bit hectic in places. Um, but, I mean, that's... I don't want to say that's what you expect with Formula Two, mm. but you come, you you kind of have come to expect it at this point. So it wasn't actually the most exciting. I mean, it was surprisingly hard to overtake all weekend across F two and W series, actually. Yeah, which especially given how many safety cars there was in F two, made it. I mean, it wasn't boring, like particularly to the end of some of the races where there were sort of tires falling away. It made it quite exciting, but I think in every race, if I'm, I think I'm right in saying the driver that led into turn one won the race. I think, I think as, as far as I'm aware, yes. I think, I think the Schwartzman um, went from fourth to first, didn't he? Then Vashaw kind of won from pole. And I think Joe got the lead at turn one. I think it was. I Maybe. believe so, yeah. I think, yeah, it was either that or the pit stops. But he only had to overtake Oscar Piastri, so. Because he qualified yeah. second. Mm. I say only, like that's an easy thing yeah. to do. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was it was Piastri and Tictum, I think that was a consistent one across the weekend. Yeah. In terms of scoring in like every race. Piastri, yeah, Piastri didn't have the greatest uh, feature race in pole, did he? He ended up behind Tictum, but they were the ones who scored well all weekend. Yeah, I think, I think he got. Yeah. I think he got fastest lap point in, in the feature race. And was the that pole his... as well. Yeah, I that might be his points for pole actually. So, yeah, I'm just I looking at take... yeah, yeah, because he got 15 points. So yeah, he got his pole points. Yeah, like Joe, for example, won the feature race, but he spun in the at the start of the um, the first sprint race, which kind of ruined. Yeah, and he still scored actually very well across the weekend. Yeah, so he, shows... he got his he got his twenty five points from the feature race, but those were the only points he scored. So yeah. yes, twenty five points is you know a good haul, mm. but he has lost the lead of the championship to Austin Piastri because Piastri yeah. scored six points in feature race one, 
10 points uh, feature race one sprint race one 10 points in sprint race two and 19 points for pole and third in the feature race mm. so that makes you my consistency isn't it yeah what you need i mean um schwartzman scored 25 points but he got 15 points in sprint race one and 10 points in the feature race so yeah he spun out uh, in the second race i think as well yeah but, um yeah, I think Tickton was the only one to score two podiums, isn't he? I said that off air, so I know he was, because we checked it. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, that's, I think that shows how open it is this year, which is great to see. I mean, another debate as to how many of these are actually going to graduate to F1. But uh, I think we've got... Seat limitation sort of discussion, yeah. isn't it? I think we, we said off air, didn't we, when we were looking at it, it's, a bit of, it's probably a five-way battle now for the championship. You've got the Premiers... Yeah. Show takes them in bits, maybe. Yeah. But. So every you've Oscar Piastri is in first on 108, and then Yuri Vips in fifth is on 85. But Teo Porcher in sixth is on 65. So you know that's a bit more of a gap. Um, but given the fourth is Dan Tickton on 89, there's only four points separating those two places. Um Joe is only five points off the championship lead. And then Schwartzman's in third on 91. It's it just takes one of those drivers to have a really good weekend and they take the lead. Because mm. I think like Piastri was I want to say Piastri was like fourth going into the weekend. Possibly, yeah. Because he's he scored good points this weekend. I think him and Tictum scored the most points this weekend. Yeah, yeah, they did. Tickton, I, I I think there's actually possibly even a case to be made that Tickton has been maybe even the quickest driver this season. But he always, apart from Silverstone, he's always I mean, he was scored still well making in, overtakes. So yeah, he's yeah, yeah exactly. He made he was the one driver who was making. You know, I think it was um it was Nanini who stayed out for ages in the feature race, and Tickton managed to pass him, and then Piastri was stuck behind for ages, and ended up yeah he, he had a really good battle with Bashaw at the end. Who also did well, but um, yeah, Tickton, apart from Silverstone, it always seems to have like one race where something happens to him, which has kept him just about out of sort of the championship lead kind of area. Mick Schumacher levels of consistency. Exactly, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it's it's just so much. I feel like it's so much harder to win a championship with this sort of format. Yeah. because you need that consistency like formula one you have a bad weekend that's only one race where you've lost out on points to your competitors but like joe did if you lose it in the first race you've you've not just thrown the first race away you've thrown the second race away as well so yeah tricky one um well, where are they next joining us monza Monza. So we won't see them again until September. So they're on summer holiday. Uh, I mean, I think that's pretty much covered the uh, F2, hasn't it? Yeah, safety cars. And safety cars and a couple inability to overtake. Inconsistency, yeah. yeah. Uh, which brings us nicely on the uh, inability to overtake front to W Series. <laughs> um, w Series don't have the additional benefit of DRS which I feel really hindered them this weekend um, 
but I don't want to say it was a bad race because there, it was close. It's just they weren't able to make the moves. So, yeah, I feel like Silverstone's maybe just not the circuit for these cars, mm. which I is mean, unfortunate. Yeah, it was Alice Powell and I still don't know how to pronounce her name, Volven. Yeah, Fabian Volven. Is that right? Yeah. Out at the front because Volven got the jump at the start, which, by the way, like across the whole weekend, there was hardly any races where like the driver on pole actually led us turn one for some reason, but that's another thing. But yeah, it's, um, it's like the Red Bull second seat. It's exactly, yeah. <laughs> but the field spread in W Series again was pretty ridiculous. I mean, Jamie Chadwick, quite surprising actually, was like on her own in third. I, I really thought. I mean, I didn't actually follow the first season too closely, but I really thought she'd kind of be dominant. But I guess that's but not given given her performance in the last races, I was a bit surprised that she was that far off the pace. In the first sort of half of the race, you think, okay, maybe she's saving tires, going to come back for a, a strong period at the end because Powell and Volvo, uh, Powell and Volven were going for it. Like Powell was really heaping the pressure on Volvend and they were having to go. Well, they, there was no sort of inkling of any kind of tire saving going on there. So it was kind of like, is she saving her tires and then she's going to steam it? And then the safety car came out and you think, prime opportunity. The gap's been closed up for her. Now's the time. And she just dropped back straight away. So yeah, it was, yeah, not. Not the best weekend for Chadwick, which is surprising to say, considering she still finished third. <laughs> yeah. And then Powell got the win sort of towards the end, didn't she? It was a bit of a weird yeah. one, because on the big screen, I, I'd never really worked out what happened, but it was at the last corner, I think. Yeah, Volvend um, went wide, on the got on the curb, basically, on the exit of the corner, and couldn't get the power down. So Powell managed to come up the inside. They were, they, were, they, were, they were close going into the into the chicane. Um, and that's what sort of forced Wolvend. I, I don't think uh, forced is strong. Like she ran wide. Um, and it was the, the, she basically did a bunny hop on the curb. And that was it. So good hard racing. Five second penalty. <laughs> yeah, well, and two penalty points. <laughs> I was just looking at the finish times now, actually. Uh, oh, mate, she'd she still be on the podium. <laughs> Yeah, so, but no, w-, w series was okay, um, but yeah, I feel like Silverstone was not not the track for it, um, just because it's hard enough to overtake there anyway, and when you take away DRS, which is like the main overtaking assist in the other formulas that race there, then it's always going to struggle. I mean, we. We often comment on how many overtakes there are in Formula 2 and we didn't see that at Silverstone. Like, even in Formula 1, Silverstone is hard to overtake around. Yes, there are overtakes, but they're not as commonplace as other circuits. So a, a, a much slower car with less assists for overtaking, maybe not, not ideal. But we, I mean, we'll, we'll see because they're they're coming to Hungary, so we get to we get to go again. Uh, I want to check when they're actually at Hungary, though. That's the thing. Uh, 
Yeah, that is this weekend. Yeah, they're at Hungary with us this weekend. Um, so we'll be able to see, because Hungary is often called Monaco without the walls. So if there's a shed load of overtaking at Hungary, then we'll know it's a Silverstone thing. But if there's also no overtaking at Hungary, we'll still sit on the fence of maybe it's circuit specific. <laughs> All right. How how many overtakes do we actually see at Hungary in Formula One? Not a lot. Exactly. Yeah. It's mostly pit stop strategy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Then yeah. <laughs> what I can remember is Hamilton getting the lead from Verstappen at the end a couple of years ago. And, and even that was a massive tight delta. Yeah, that was down yeah, to the pit stop strategy. Bottas hitting Ricardo as well. Yeah. yeah. Wing damage in the year before, yeah. I was going to say, I remember the... Oh, that was... I want to say there were Toro Rosso's at that point. I think it was Albon and oh, yeah. Fiat. When they were side by side, ages, yeah. That was pretty good. Yeah. That was a good fight, but, you know, like I don't think it actually resulted in an overtake. So, <laughs> Yeah, just lost time. Yeah. And caused probably a lot of stress. Franz Toss lost what Harry has left. Uh, yeah. Probably. And probably aged another three years. <laughs> <laughs> That must be so. That must be the most stressful point. Is when your two teammates are like properly going at it. Yeah. It's like, please don't crash. Please don't crash. This is so expensive. <laughs> we haven't got any of these parts left. Don't ruin this. So, I mean, especially seeing as we've got the budget cap now, and Red Bull have said that the crash cost them one point eight million dollars. So, price. I'm- it's interesting because I remember Mercedes after the one in Imola for Bottas, it was only, well, I say only a million. Mm. So, like, let's say half of what Red Bull, roughly. I feel uh, Mercedes were able to salvage the engine from that, though, yeah. weren't they? Yeah, Red Bull are, are not yeah, confident yeah. on the state of the engine. Plus, yeah. the, the genes well, I mean, involved are very different. Mercedes made a big thing, didn't they, about how it was going to cost them upgrades. Yeah. Which, I mean, I guess that's Mercedes being Mercedes, always playing themselves down. But is that going to make a difference to Red Bull? And yeah, I, I think, did we mention this last week? Maybe, is it going to affect grid penalties for Verstappen, possibly? If they can't fix the power unit potentially yeah. later in the season, yes. Uh, mm. um, but they've sent the power unit back to Japan, to the Honda facility, um, to get them to have a look at it and give their, their verdict on it. So they haven't yeah. given up on it, but they weren't hopeful, given that it had gone through a 51G impact. Mm. So, yeah. Could be a, a five-place grid penalty for Max for an extra component somewhere, I'd say around Japan, Mexico, somewhere around that yeah, sort somewhere. of region. Um, I don't think they take it in Mexico because they love Mexico. Yeah, and also Japan's the home race, isn't it? So That's a good for Honda. But that didn't stop them uh, giving Albon a grid penalty in, <laughs> in Japan, did it? Yeah. Like, yeah. Just start the back of the grid, mate. Have a new engine, but start at the back. <laughs> I think it's about time to talk about Hungary. Because with this weekend's race, it's, well... Is it going to turn into Silverstone 2.0? Or are we going to have just chapter two of the title fight? 
I mean, I'm so interested to see the dynamic. Like, and we said this off air, they're 100% going to put them together in the press conference. I, I mean, the Baku 2017 one where Vettel ran to Hamilton on purpose, that was kind of like Vettel apologised. You know, it was pretty clear cut. They made up and there was respect. I can't see that in this case, especially Max Verstappen is not going to let this go, is he? I mean, I think there was talk they, I think they've had discussions apparently, haven't they? Like Lewis phoned him. Which, all, I, all I've heard is that Lewis was open to talks. Um, I think I think someone did say that they, they did phone him. I can imagine, you know, especially Lewis is experienced enough to know there has to be respect. It, otherwise, it's going to happen again and again and again. Yeah, but Max Verstappen, and then Norris wins the World Drivers Championship. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Max Verstappen. I mean, even if they have talked this over, if if he's behind Hamilton into Turn One at Hungary, for example, he's going to do a Spain, isn't he? A hundred percent. Oh yeah. And if he's, you know, if Hamilton's coming behind him in the race, like twenty nineteen, for example, he's not letting him go without a serious fight. Hamilton, I think, will be more cautious as a result of this because he'll know what's coming in terms of Verstappen's aggression. And maybe we're just going to, maybe we're on like a bit of a cycle now. Go back to the start of the season, Hamilton was cautious because he knows what Verstappen's like. And then eventually he got, you know, sick of that, sick of Verstappen playing on that and ended in a crash. Perhaps that's going to be a cycle now, if that makes sense. Does that mean the next big crash is going to be at Monza? Because that's the only other sort of like really high speed corner like cops. We're going to see it going into, into Ascari. I mean, it, yeah, I don't want to see it end in repeated crashes. Um, I want to see it just develop into like a proper to and fro battle of heavyweights throwing punches. Um, I'll be disappointed if there's another crash this weekend, but I won't be surprised. Um, like, I wasn't surprised that there was the crash at Silverstone. I was disappointed, definitely, because that was going to be an epic race if those two had got through the first lap unscathed. Um, but it's been coming all year. It's been brewing away just because he's been there to challenge, whereas in previous years he's not had that pace consistently. So, I don't know. I want to see this as the start of Chapter 2 of the saga and it's going to be hard racing i don't care if they bang wheels i don't care if there's a little bit of contact i just don't want someone doing a danny caveat torpedo and ending a race just because he did it to me last week so yeah i don't know first step career is over insert nico rosberg (laughs) I mean, I can't see Max, you know, like clearly going, getting himself into a situation that's obviously going to cause a crash just because of what happened at Silverstone. But I mean, Red Bull aren't letting Silverstone go, are they? I don't think Max will. There's going I to think, be but I think Yoss, aggression. I feel like Yoss will talk enough sense to him mm, that I don't know. it'll be hard racing, but he won't do a Michael Schumacher. Because as yeah. much as I love he Michael, gonna... he had a bit of a tendency of crashing into title rivals. Yeah. So... Perhaps, I don't know. 
I mean, Max is he's clever enough to know not to just take himself out of the race mm. to take Hamilton out. But it's it's can he? Is there going to be some enough? like tactical aggression? If if you go, know I mean, so he puts his car, he puts Hamilton in a position where you know Hamilton has to back out or he's going off the track. Verstappen might get a five second penalty, but he won't care. For example, might see something like that. As long as the stewards are consistent. I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> like if he's forcing people off the track, let's see the Norris incident again. Come on, give me five seconds. Give me two penalty points. Want to see it? Because that's the thing. Is it going to be a case of who accrues the most penalty points the fastest? Because I don't want to see a title decided on who got a race ban. I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, Max doesn't have any, does he? To be fair, I mean, we're, I'm saying, well, we're saying all this stuff about, Yeah, we're saying all this stuff about Max might you know be aggressive cause a crash he doesn't have any penalty points which i know is not the best way of determining who's a clean driver but... no but at the same time he is a lot less accident prone than he was when he joined red bull i remember he went through a period i think it was like nine races in a row where he dnf through incidents um, i think yeah i yeah. think he dnf in all of them but he had like Every weekend at the they start of 2018, pretty much. Yeah. He had an incident, didn't he? Like he crashed at Monaco when he should have been on pole. And yeah, it was a whole load of stuff. But since then, he came back and I'd say he's been a much better driver since then. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess this weekend's going to be the big test, isn't it? Is he going to be able to keep his head? Yeah. So... Like... The press conference will be so interesting because do you remember the one the after the incident with Ocon in Brazil, Max still held a grudge, didn't he, in the press conference? And this is a title battle. I mean, it's yeah. going to be so interesting to see how they both handle it. And Christian Horner is probably going to be in one with Toto, isn't he? So that'll be a bit of trash talk. <laughs> I mean, that's always trash talk, but yeah, this this but... time that I feel like there's going to be some venom behind it. So, I don't know. Should we get on to our our predictions? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Ben, lead us off. Pole and podium. My pole is get in there, Lewis. <laughs> and then my podium is also get in there, Lewis, with Verstappen and then Leclerc. Interesting that Pete Bonington's taken that seat this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> He's fed up a Lewis, so he's like... Says, I can do this. Yeah. <laughs> Toto, look what I've got. Then then all of the, it's just the car people will come <laughs> back out. <laughs> so, uh, Alex, what have you got? I mean, yeah, it is traditionally a Reb- Well, it should be a Rebel trap, shouldn't it, really? So we'll see how much the Mercedes upgrade has uh, helped in that regard. But and if this, this is going to become clear with my... <laughs> <laughs> it's going to become clear with my uh, uh, ball prediction I'm a bit bored of the Hamilton Staff and Bottas so I'm going to say Charles Leclerc is going to win the race from Sergio Perez and Lando Norris and well pole is going to be I almost want to say Leclerc because it in, like Monaco they got pole, yeah. Didn't they? yeah it's a very but, similar sort of track I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Max for pole, and I think you can probably guess what my bold prediction is gonna be from that. 
I have a, an inkling. I mean, my my like the clerk to win. Torino. <laughs> <laughs> the clerk to win isn't the most ridiculous shout, is it? No, like, no, he was only a couple of laps short of it last week. Yeah, so. exactly. And yeah, like it and, should be a Ferrari traction. That they got pole yeah. at the cricket at Monaco. Yeah, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, Nia has sent hers in. Uh, she said Verstappen on pole and Verstappen, Leclerc and Hamilton for the podium. And Sonia has sent hers in and she said Hamilton on pole and Hamilton, Verstappen, Leclerc on the podium. <laughs> so... I thought I was going to be alone putting Leclerc on the podium. I felt really <laughs> yeah. clever. I felt really like clever having him on the podium. Um, <laughs> apparently not. Which My... just be the race where the Ferrari's tires are just shockingly bad again. <laughs> <laughs> See, the thing is, I'm the only person that's put a certain someone on the podium. Uh, so I've said Verstappen for pole, Verstappen Hamilton Bottas for the podium. <laughs> I was kind of like that second place. I was sworn between Paris and Bottas, but I feel, I don't know. Yeah. So, and Chris hasn't sent his in. So, uh, zero points. Sorry, Chris. Not sorry, but you said if someone misses it, you get zero points. So, two penalty points. Shut even, worse, <laughs> even worse than Scotland at the Euros. <laughs> yeah, minus they two turned now. up. <laughs> Right, um, we've also got one in from social media, well, two in from social media slash friends. Uh, Mac has sent in, or Mac has sent in Verstappen poll, Verstappen Hamilton Norris podium. And my mate Matt has sent in Hamilton on poll, Hamilton Perez Norris podium. Uh, and he's also sent in a bold prediction, but we'll cover that when we do those. Uh, so, Alex? You've, you've teed yourself up quite nicely here. You can guess mine. I just, I had to say, someone had to say it. Verstappen and Hamilton are going to collide again. I'm not going to say, well, I haven't put them on the podium, have I? But I'm not going to say who's going to retire or how much damage. But yeah, <laughs> why not? Um, ben, what have you gone for? Well, I did put Ferrari back to back podiums, but I'm not sure if it's a bold prediction now, seeing that. Everyone's got it. I mean, given the form that they're in, I'd, I'd still say that's reasonably bold. Nia has just sent the hers in. George points, but not in Q3. Interesting. It's going to be a chaos at racing. Yeah. Um, I need to come up with one. <laughs> um, who are we going to say? Um, see, I, I got it right last week, so now I'm feeling like extra pressure. Can I do it two in a row? Um you know what? Both Ferraris finishing in the top five. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go for that. I feel like that's bold. Um, and my mate Matt has said that George Russell will overtake Lance Stroll in the last three laps to secure his first points of the year. So, oddly specific. But we'll take it. <laughs> I like predictions like that because it, it could happen. It it, could yeah, happen. It's, there is but, a, a realm of possibility there. But if it does, you're an absolute genius. Right? And you really should have gone down the bookies. Yeah. <laughs> Not that we like incentivize gambling, but... <laughs> and then when it you know, doesn't happen, we're like, 
well, why did you say that? <laughs> what What are you being so oddly specific for? Come on, just give give us a generic, unexpected DNF. <laughs> Knowing full well that Mia's not going to watch this episode. <laughs> uh, right, Mazapino Bingarino, Ben, will he finish? Uh, yeah. Uh, oh yeah, there's seventy laps in total. So, on what lap is he getting lapped first? Twenty five. And how many laps down? Two laps down. Thank God for that. Nia has said that he will finish and will first get lapped on lap 25, <laughs> but will finish three laps down. So, Alex, will he finish? I almost want to say he won't get lapped just because of my prediction, but like it's going to be, you know, the safety car and he'll unlap himself. But yeah, he'll finish laps on a short lap, isn't it? So. Oh, yeah, 25 is probably about right, but 27. And it'll probably be one of them where it's a pit stop, won't it? But yeah, um, two laps, two laps down. Yeah. I did manage to like figure out because the Silverstone one is much more clear cut because the line is basically before all of the, the pit garages. I was like, okay, we, we got an exact lap this time. <laughs> um, so I'm going to say he will finish. He will finish two laps down but he will first get lapped on lap 30. Just hoping that some yellow flags slow everyone down at the start. <laughs> uh, and obviously Chris hasn't sent us in anything because where is he? The big mystery. <laughs> He's with um, Helmet Marker. <clears throat> discussing the uh, legal opportunities. Yeah, he could probably do the, all the documents. Uh, yeah, but would he do it against Mercedes? <laughs> oh, yeah. Sure He's like the biggest Mercedes fanboy we've okay, got. Me, the defendant. <laughs> they just do it against Red Bull without <laughs> them. Sabotage of the highest order. Uh, with all our predictions locked in, uh, except Chris. Uh, <laughs> join us next week where we'll be covering the uh, aftermath of a hopefully nice and clean race in Hungary, uh, along with all of the support series uh, action from F3 and W series. Uh, so join us again same time next week. And until then, goodbye.